In today's truth, I'll be talking about my experiences as a first-generation Australian and how I feel about Australia Day, whether I care about it and why. So in this episode of One Day I'll Tell the Truth, I'm talking about the truth about Australia Day for a first-generation Aussie. Uh, That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? So uh, as the title states, I'm a first-generation Australian. And what I wanted to talk about today is what it feels like to be a first-generation Australian. And what does it mean for those of you listening? Um, Does me telling my story help you? And, you know... And this is more so for, for my Australian audience, but but does it help you to look back at your own life and say, you know what, maybe maybe he's onto something here? Um, I don't know. But uh, let's find out, shall we? So for all my overseas listeners, this is a very Australian episode as the, the focus is on our National Day here in Australia, which is celebrated on the 26th of January. And... There's a debate that has been around for many, many years, probably since uh, Australia Day was was first uh, celebrated, and it's uh, it basically revolves around changing the date, and this is primarily because of uh, the way that the Indigenous Australians feel about it, and I'm going to reflect on how I feel about it and why, and perhaps by doing that, I'll I'll help people have a deeper understanding on the subject. So, so the date itself is is a major point of contention. In many people's eyes, it represents the the date of the disposition of the Aboriginal people, um, the day that they lost their nation. And and in many circles, not just Indigenous, it's it's referred to as Invasion Day. Now, Australia Day makes us think about what it means to be Australian. So, if if we do that, even for a moment, just uh, just that, because it's Australia Day and, you know, you're celebrating or not. And we look at the reasons why that's the case. Um, if we look at our own situations, whether we're, we're grateful for the current conditions that we find ourselves in or not, and, and honestly compare them to the, to the plight of, you know, the Indigenous people, if you, if you take a close look at the history, and, and when I do, I, I can't help but have mixed feelings about, about the day. I have a, a pretty vivid memory of my childhood and I remember the Australia that, that I grew up in and back in the 70s when I when I first began to remember Australia Day as a public holiday, it usually meant that it was time to, to go back to school soon and I didn't want to go back to school and uh, there are a number of personal reasons um, for that which I'll go into in, in future episodes but it does go to the heart of what it means uh, for me. So a bit more on, on my childhood. I, I grew up on a very diverse street in the in the southern suburbs of Wollongong, about an hour's drive south of Sydney. It's a small suburb uh, called Kemblawara. And back then it was part industrial wasteland, part lower socioeconomic housing, part Aboriginal mission. It was It was built on what had previously been majestic wetlands filled in with with thousands of tons of industrial waste from the nearby steelworks three streets running parallel to one another every nationality represented a, a pure blend of 70s working class australia mixed with the original custodians of the land whose housing estate 
boarded a rubbish dump less than 200 meters up the road from the block of flats that I lived in with my my sister and parents. And and when I say every nationality represented, I I, I mean it. Like I, I don't know if you could find a more multicultural street in all of Australia as far as um, diversity goes at that at that time. And not so much in terms of volume. Um, there you know there were the, there were the ten pound palms, the, the British migrants. There were there were Spanish. There were a number of Spanish families. Portuguese, Italian, Greek, Macedonian, Serbian, Croatian. Although those those three back then were were still classed as as Yugoslav, German, a Dutch family, an Argentinian family, and of course the Aboriginal community. They had uh, their own section at the top of the street, which back then was called the the Kumidici Mission, or just the Mission, or just Kumidici, and. As a child, I found myself playing with all these kids from all these different backgrounds, and it was and it was just and it was just nuts. It was just wild running around the streets. Um, there were loads of kids that were my age, and just children from all different backgrounds. And you know, grow, growing up in this place where there were so many people from so many different places. Well, look, I didn't make the differentiation. I just thought, well, this is just how it is. And and I know it was like that for, for many of you listening in. But a, a, as soon as as soon as school started, that kind of that kind of all changed. There was still the diversity, but yeah, it was different. There were definitely no Aboriginal kids at the the Catholic primary school that I went to. Um, there were a couple that came came later on, but um, I, I struggled a lot with English early on. Uh, Spanish had been my first language, so so when I went to primary school, I I, I struggled early on. Yeah, obviously, I, I I did pick up the English language um, eventually. I think that highlights just how my family and others in the in the area were were able to well hold on to their language so so yeah i had family in the street so i was i was regularly speaking spanish um so that probably was a big reason why it was harder to to pick up english so yeah my, my dad had come to to australia in the 60s with a couple of his brothers you know they made their their families and um made their home here you know then there was an extended network of, of spanish families in neighboring suburbs and uh we also developed close ties with other nationalities, uh, primarily from from where we were living. Italian family, you know, a couple of Italian families became close friends. An Argentinian family. We even went to uh, to a couple of Macedonian weddings. I remember as as a young child. And I guess another thing that that, that stands out was was how we were able to, to maintain our culture as as far as food goes as well, and. Eventually, my my dad and his brothers got together with other Spanish families from from the neighbouring suburbs, and they they put together some money and actually bought a, a vacant block block of land. Um, just probably was just about a hundred metres up the road from where we were living at the time, and they built a club, which eventually became known as the Wollongong Spanish Club. Unlike many other ethnic groups which had done the same thing during the, the, the 70s and, and 80s. Uh, in the same suburb, there was a Portuguese club. A few suburbs away, there was a there was the Greek Hellenic club, um, a couple of Italian clubs, a German club, and 
I guess this is this is along with you know the, the workers clubs, the sporting clubs, and the RSL clubs for for returned servicemen. So yeah, in in, in a city of of one hundred and fifty thousand odd people at the time, there were there were all these clubs, and um, and the thing about these clubs with respect to to the ones founded on on the basis of you know nationality and and belonging to a certain you know cultural group it felt like they were encouraged to to maintain their culture most of these clubs had had dancing groups that that focused on their their um, traditional dance and these groups would be invited to different community events at, at different times different festivals at different times of the year including times like like australia day sometimes at schools and yeah, I, th- I think it was great. I think it was it was a good way for the for the community to stay together and to, to create those bonds and maintain those traditions. And those those traditions, those those things like the food and the dancing, and well, mainly the food. But you know, they've they've pretty much become part of what what all Australians eat today. You know, especially around times like uh, like Australia Day. You know, these groups are invited to dance and interact, and uh, and yeah. So for me, it felt like, you know, over a period of time, my culture, as well as the cultural background of, of people I grew up around, was accepted into wider Australia. But, you know, one thing that, uh, that I found, find myself thinking about more and more, particularly as I get older, and that is that, you know, I didn't really learn about the Indigenous culture, the Aboriginal culture that was, was pretty much on my doorstep. And it's because their culture was was taken away from them in, in a sense, whereas ours wasn't. And you know things things are changing, but it's it's only been well, it's been more so in in recent years. And I think you know it, it just highlights how far we have to go. You know, I grew up in an area where the government built houses for for the Aboriginal community and then mined the sand behind their homes and filled it with industrial fill and for years was, was even a dump. You know, my dad would, would literally take me to dump rubbish behind my neighbours' homes and, and there playing in the garbage were the children of those neighbours, Aboriginal children. And believe it or not, I, I was I was jealous. I was actually jealous because I wanted to be playing around and, and looking for, you know, looking for treasure and stuff as well. Not realizing, not not understanding the, the, the symbolism of it and, until until later in life. And you know, I used to catch the bus across the road from from the entrance to, to the dump and quite often there'd there'd be a young boy and he'd be riding his bike in circles around the front gates of, of of the dump. And I would think, oh, he's waiting for the gates to open. But then it's like, no, no, if he really wanted to go to the dump, he would just walk out his backyard, you know. And I used, to, I used to envy the kid. I used to wish that I was him, that I could be there waiting for the dump gates to open so that I could go in there like, it's just wild, you know, just 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 wild. And the smell. You know, we'd be waiting for the bus and, and we'd 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 cover our faces at different times because the stench. And these people live there. 
And like, yeah, I lived a couple hundred meters down the road, but for some reason, the prevailing winds helped us helped us in that in that respect. So we didn't really cop that. But um, so yeah, so so my upbringing was one where my family were able to maintain their culture, and it slowly merged into these other cultures that I was interacting with as a child and into a young adult, and uh, and to who I am today, where. I have, you know, friends from a multitude of nationalities and and I guess by culture, obviously I mean the food, as I mentioned earlier, and language as well, you know, mostly swear words. They're always they always seem to, to be the, the first uh, words that you that you learn from a from another language. But again, the one thing that I feel is missing from from my Australian lived experience is the experience of the indigenous culture, of the Aboriginal culture. You know, I, I don't have that flavour added to my experience. And as and as I mentioned before, it is changing. It is happening more and more. But it just it just needs to be even more. And it's and it's days like like Australia Day that highlight this. You know, when you see the mix of cultures celebrating Australia Day and and another group protesting it something isn't right and i think that as a, as a nation a, a very young country where you know we're missing out on an opportunity where we could make amends for for the things that we've gotten wrong you know at different times you know and it's not like we haven't gone there before you know there's been the sorry day and, and the bridge walk and native title acts and and and, and along with a lot of other you know, there've been tons of symbolic gestures, and and things are changing. I I definitely accept that, but I I can't help but feel that that there's still a hell of a long way to go. Something has to be lasting. There there has to be like a, a discussion or or something on this subject about the date because the way it's going, it's it just doesn't feel right. And I think it, it, sometimes it feels like there are those in the community, particularly those in political circles, that that are trying to to use this this whole topic as as leverage. And and you know, some of you might be thinking, why why I'm so passionate about this? And it's 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 pretty simple, really. I you know, I I never really felt Australian until. I left for overseas when I was when I was twenty eight. Like I was, I was caught in this limbo of being a, a European Australian for for most of my life. Um, you know, at school I was I was a wog, that that derogatory term that was used to categorise anyone from Southern Europe uh, for many many years doesn't get used as much these days. You know, I I had Anglo Australian friends at various times here and there um, during work life and you know at various stages. But it wasn't until I went overseas that I that I really felt Australian. It was almost as if I was more Australian when I was overseas than, than here in Australia. Like, I wasn't Spanish anymore, even though I was closer to Spain. I was Australian. And over time, it was like the Southern Europeans have become more Australian, while the newer migrant arrivals, the... You know, for me growing up, it was the Vietnamese and then and the Lebanese and and other Arab nationalities or 
or non-Arab nationalities, but people from the Middle East and different waves of Asian migration of, of various nationalities, which which have now become, you know, the, the student waves of of migration. They're now the ones that who cop the racism, and and in many cases, it's it's from those with a similar upbringing to myself. <laughs> it, it's almost like in the space of two or three generations, or in some cases, one generation. Um, people all of a sudden develop this this righteousness, this kind of privilege or or standing. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like all of a sudden they are more Australian than others, and and it just feels wrong. And, and I guess another thing that comes up to me when when I when I feel like this is I, I kind of flash back again to my childhood, and I remember a moment when I was eight or nine, and up until then, it, it, it had been okay for me to, to play on the streets with, with all the other kids, including the Aboriginal kids. And there came this point when all of a sudden I wasn't allowed to play with them anymore. And I think more of that came from my, my father. And looking back, I, I kind of get it. You know, they were worried. Um, a lot of the teenagers were getting into drugs and alcohol Alcohol and drugs were problems in some households, you know, in the streets that I lived in, including the um, the Aboriginal homes. But having said that, it always felt like like my dad resented the Aborigines in our street, you know, calling them bludgers, never really going all out into the racism. But but he he hated the idea of them getting government payments while he worked his ass off. Um, that was one thing that that just that that really upset him. Mum was a bit different. She, I feel that she experienced the racism a bit more. Obviously, they both did. I kind of feel that even today, women are, are easier targets quite often. But but I also believe that that she un- unconsciously recognised that she was on the receiving end of what what the Aboriginals were dealing with, and and I can distinctly recall an incident where. I said something derogatory about them, um, the Aboriginal kids in the street, and my mum, she just lost it at me, and and she said to me, and this was at, and this was at a at a young age, but it but I still it still hits home, and and I can't recall exactly, but it was worse the effect of you know don't ever think that you're better than them because you're not, and that always stuck with me, you know she empathised with what they were experiencing. I got it. And years later, long after we'd moved to to to, to a neighbouring suburb, I was in my my late twenties. I I remember mum and dad were having an argument about something, and not that you know, not that they argued openly like that very often, but it was again, it was it was one of those moments that I that I remember clearly. And there was a it was something about a community meeting that had been planned to discuss some new housing estate, and it was a it was a development for for older Aboriginals, elderly Aboriginals, and Dad was worried about them affecting property values and was just being flat out derogatory, you know. Look, mind you, we don't we'd only moved to the neighbouring suburb, which was literally five minutes from where we lived um initially in Kemblawara. We'd moved to the adjacent suburb and, and I remember getting really upset about it. And 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 I just said, look, they've never done anything wrong to any of us. 
and you want to go and oppose them building a few houses on land which is which is theirs anyway and and we had this argument and and it got pretty heated and i also said to him that you know the only reason why you you were able to build here in the first place years ago was that they were here and the values were were low because of it now do you get where i'm going with this and and he, and he didn't go or at least i don't think he went you know the development went ahead nothing happened it's still there and all the people you know all the members of their community have some decent accommodation to move into when they when they get to that that point of their lives so yeah look if people want to change the date i understand why not just from what i've been told or what i've seen in the media or you know but from what i've experienced what i've what i've seen growing up you know this isn't just going on for the sake of it they're not you know people aren't saying you know get rid of the date and and don't replace it they want a day that includes all of australia and and i get that you know that's you know that's that's a big part of who we are as a nation and 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 it kind of feels like i'm in this weird fortunate position where i where i have spanish nationality because of my parents and i have these privileges as an australian and 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 i compare that to those who lived up the road from me at, at kumidichi i'd be pretty pissed off if i were in their shoes put it that way the kumidichi community is still there i drive past most days and a lot has changed thankfully um, the old weatherboard houses um, were replaced with brick houses some years ago. They are, are playing a more active role. Um, they're doing a lot of artwork, sharing stories, making sure that their culture isn't isn't lost, and and really working hard at that to to share those important stories with the broader community. And it's just and it's just so so very important. I believe anyway. And I think it's fantastic. So, um, look, I'll start to finish up, but but before I do, you know, I, you know, look, I, I experienced racism, as did my parents. Um, I live in a community where pretty much everyone experienced discrimination, and there's like this tone that gets adopted from time to time. You see it on social media when. You know, when the Black Lives Movement protests were taking place in the US and uh, and here in Australia. And it's like some feel, well, I experienced racism and I got over it, so uh, you should get over it. And I'm talking about people in, the, in their middle age, like myself, from various backgrounds, whatever they, they may be, you know, who have this argument that, well, we experienced racism, we got on with it, and we've made good lives for ourselves, and... We've worked hard and we've made money and, you know, you know, Aboriginal people didn't or haven't. And it just really gets me because I look back and I'm so grateful and fortunate that my parents and extended family and, and many others chose this country and that they were able to come here and, and make a life. But at whose expense? You know, I, I don't claim for a second to understand the depths of anger or frustration and you know experienced by by the aboriginal community i can only relate to what i've experienced in my life and how i believe i would feel if i were in their shoes 
you know, it's clear that for far too long the the Aboriginal people of this nation were not encouraged to to practice their culture, let alone share it with a broader community. And and at the same time, that the exact opposite was the case for those that were encouraged to migrate here. So so based on all that, look, I believe Australia Day as it as it currently as it currently sits is a day to reflect, not to celebrate. If you're going to have a national day of celebration, a party, not only does everyone have to be invited, but everyone has to feel good about being part of the celebration. It just makes sense. If it's a national party, if it's a national celebration, well, it's got to, it's got to appeal to everybody. You know, why should I celebrate someone else's misery? It just feels so wrong and, and I won't do it. You know, Australia is a young country with with the oldest known civilization. You know, with a wealth of knowledge. You know, the, the rest of the world looks to us for for inspiration, and, and far too often we let them down. But I'm pretty hopeful that that's going to change. So, yeah. Look, I've I've been so blessed to have been born in this country, blessed to live in a country where I can record my stories and share them with you guys and I really look forward to catching you all again soon this episode of One Day Will Tell The Truth was produced by Tony Barrera sound designed by Robert Ferreira an edited video version of this podcast will be uploaded to YouTube in the coming days you can find details of all my podcast episodes including full transcripts edited video copies and more about me at tannyburia.com thanks for tuning in